this week on the Backtable Podcast. You know, in a way, I saw that as an opportunity to do a little bit of advertising about our specialty and about what we can do. And I think in a, in a way, the company was also very interested about my background. To be honest, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there are many interventionists in pharma or clinical development. I, I haven't met any so far. So in, in a way, I think they were a bit intrigued about me and where, where did I come from and why I was looking for a role in, uh, in clinical development. But also they saw the fact that, you know, interventional radiologists bring a lot on the table because we're not internists, we're not ICU, you know, physicians, but we have a lot of experience when it comes to treating people, doing invasive procedures, and also we, we know a lot about pathology and we know a lot about imaging. So we have a set of skills that is quite unique because we are, where medicine, surgery, and radiology overlap. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com. Now, a brief message from our sponsor. RadPad was developed by physicians for physicians. Clinically proven radiation protection during cine and digital subtraction and geography. Don't bet your career or your health on anything less. Trust RadPad radiation protection shields for all your floral guided interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com for a free radiation evaluation and a no-brainer radiation protection cap. And don't forget to tell them that you heard about it on the Backtable podcast. Now, back to the episode. Today we have a great episode. Uh, I'm going to talk about working with and or for industry uh, partners. We've done prior similar episodes on this topic. For example, we had Atul Gupta, who previously came on the show, talked about innovating alongside industry, acting as a CMO. Uh, you know, he, everybody knows that he's with Philips. Now, that was episode 128, if anybody wants to check that out. Today, we are going to talk a little bit more about industry as a career path for, for docs. And I'm joined with longtime friend of the show, Dr. Greg McCreese. Greg, did I pronounce your name right this time? Great. Yeah. Great Greek accent. <laughs> and Greg was previously on episode 57, which goes way back, man, yeah, pre-100. Just before the pandemic, actually, I remember. Yeah, I know. That's just wild. A, just a couple of months before the first lockdown. I can't believe we existed before the pandemic. Like, I can't even remember that far back. It's it's wild. And um, I remember you coming on the show. That was also around the time when we started sending microphones to people, I think, because you you had yeah, a, you took yeah, a picture. I had, of I had a microphone. Unfortunately, it didn't work back then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But you took a picture with it and posted it. Yeah, which I was did. I also did. something new. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which was great. It's a great touch, and and we love that because that was around the time when we were starting to get some traction, and, and you know when people were posting with our hoodies on and stuff like that. We we really loved it. So oh, yeah, I still, I still have the hoodie. Love the hoodie. Yeah. You know, everybody keeps They're comfy, asking, man. Everybody keeps asking me at the gym, "What is back table? What is back table?" I'm like, "Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. just have a seat. Have a seat. I'll tell you all about it." <laughs> That's right. So, Greg and I, for the audience, Greg and I have kept in touch over the years. You've done work with Road to IR, and um, you know, we, you and I got to sit down at. I haven't, I haven't done any Road to IR missions. We're going to talk about that a little bit today, but. You and I got to meet at the recent Circe in Barcelona, and we got to sit down alongside Venkat Tumla, who also is working with industry and, and made a, a shift in in his career uh, over the last few years. And the three of us got to kind of 
chat about you know what we've been up to and, and it was great to to catch up with you and I that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is is to talk about that transition because we're definitely seeing more people especially even in academics I think in the US doing more kind of like you know whether they be passion projects or working with industry because they realize there's a there's a career pathway here that it's not strictly research it's not strictly clinical it's uh, gives gives docs the chance to have input on you know industry devices innovating and so i wanted to pick your brain uh, uh for the audience so that you know people can get an idea what that side is like right and so uh we'll dive into it but first for those who aren't familiar with you greg can you just tell us a little bit about where you trained how long how long you've been out and where you are now yeah of course to start with, uh, thank you very much again for the invitation. As always, it's uh, you know it's a great pleasure to to be on Backtable and to have a chat with you. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing that last time we you know I was on on this seat again it was three years ago before COVID, but time flies as you said. And um, yeah, so I'm an interventional vascular interventional radiologist. I'm I'm Greek, so I did my medical st- uh, degree in Athens and then moved to London to do my PhD in vascular surgery at Imperial College and then um, did my radiology training in Cambridge and interventional radiology fellowship in, in, in Oxford. And for the last few years, I've been um, working as, a, as an attending uh, at Guy's and St. Thomas Hospital in London. And for the last year, I'm an honorary attending and uh, a director and global clinical lead in the vascular therapeutic area of Bayer Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it has been uh, it has been an interesting journey so far, um, and and as you said, you know, I, I see more and more colleagues getting interested in you know exploring other options, and uh, you know, right. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Actually, I think that's a great thing. It's a great thing yeah. for uh, from a personal point of view, but also for the specialty. And you know, I mean, ten years ago or fifteen years ago, if you were you know, asking me if I could see myself doing something like that, I would probably say, no way, no chance. And also things were very different 10 to 15 years ago. I think doctors were far more discouraged from pursuing opportunities like this, simply because there was, you know, and and in a way, a narrow-mindedness around this. There was a fear that, you know, we're going to lose the soul, we're going to lose our soul, or we're going to join the dark side, or... Um, you know, there there are various dark ways of putting this, these other experiences. But, you know, in reality, I think that we only have to, you know, win things. We can only win things from, from these experiences. And obviously, you know, it's not something that's for everybody. It's not something right. that, it's a decision that you have to make after you have, you know, after you have done some research around this and after you have experienced a few things. And you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with, you know, yourself about what you want to do, what makes you happy, where you see yourself, you know, in the years to come, because obviously things change. Okay. I mean, as people, we also change and the things that makes us happy also change. So, you right. know, important to keep that in mind. Yeah, very, very true. And and so you're still doing some clinical work though, right? You do, do. still do part-time clinic. Yeah. Which is good. And, 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 you know, a tool mentioned that when he, um, was on the show because he still does, I think, uh, you know, I think it's something like one week a month uh, clinical work, uh, which is good to, ke- to keep in touch with your peers, your your clinician peers, so that you kind of have that relatability when, uh, whether it be 
you're you're part of a a product launch or you're trying to communicate something to physicians. I could see where uh, being out of the game, you know, could kind of you could lose that a bit, and um, and I think that's what people get worried about. And so when I, so I'd like to know, kind of like, was there a catalyst for before we get into some of that stuff? Was there a catalyst for making the switch, or was it just the opportunity kind of fell in your lap, and you're like, oh, this sounds like a a unique challenge. Let me I'm going to try this. It was a bit of both, I think. Um, so for for quite a few years, I mean, I think towards the end of my specialty training, I was started thinking, okay, w- where do I want to go with this? Where do I want my career to go? And yeah. you know, during my involvement with Cersei and my participation in the European Trainee Forum and you know some projects we ran through that uh, forum, which was very very useful for me, I had the opportunity to come, you know, to come into uh, direct contact with the industry and start working with them and seeing more in more detail what they are doing. And that made me th- start thinking a little bit about it. So, you know, until that point, I was seeing my career as someone who was going to become a good clinician, but mostly an academic, someone who would be mm-hmm. doing like one or two, two days a week or three days a week of clinic and, or, and operating, and then the, the rest would be, would be research. But after I had these experiences and after I had these interactions with the industry and I could see what they were doing and what they could bring to the table, then I started thinking, okay, that, that's another very interesting area. That's another interesting area where I could see myself developing into. And so this, you know, I, start, I was thinking about this. And as I was saying before, this doesn't happen in one day. This is a process. And I think you, you start thinking about this and, you know, you sleep on it and you keep thinking about it for a few years. And then there was an opportunity that came up a, uh, a year and a half ago in, in, in Bayer. And until that point, I was, I was thinking that probably, you know, that opportunity was going to be in medical devices. But as life mm-hmm. is, is, as life is, un, is very unexpected and unpredictable, this opportunity came up in, uh, in, in pharmaceuticals, which is, you know, right. very, very different to medical devices. And, yeah. you know, this opportunity was, uh, in a way, exactly what I was looking for. So it was um, it was a global role. It was a role in a great company, a role that was mostly on clinical development and research and development, which is what I was mostly interested in. Because the other thing that we you have to understand as a physician who is looking into in the industry is that there are many roles, there are many paths that you can wear if you want to join the industry, and you have to pick that hat. That's more, that's more appropriate for you. So there is the medical affairs hat, there is the commercial hat, there is the clinical development hat. For me, and because of my academic background, my interest in research, this kind of the research and development and the clinical development side of things was what was mostly interested. And it happened that yeah. at that point, the guys in Bayer and in the, vas- in, the, in the vascular division, they were looking for someone to lead on that role. So I was like, okay. So I interviewed with the team. I get to know. I, I got to know the team very well, and you know, it, it was a great. It was a great team. It was there were some really nice people, really knowledgeable people, and I thought, okay, I can see myself in that group, and most importantly, yeah. I can see myself learning from this group and developing within within that group, because you know, after working as a um, couple of years as an attending, I mean, I know it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a lot, but through the, through the, through the COVID years, it was the two years during that yeah. COVID, it felt like uh, a lot more than the, just like 10 years. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, I caught myself thinking, okay, is this something that I want to do for the next um, 20, 30 years of my life? And in all honesty, you know, the, the answer to that was probably no. And, you know, when yeah. this opportunity came up, I was like, okay, this is probably something that I could, um, you know, I could, I could see myself doing. It's something that allows yeah. me to continue growing because at that point I felt like, okay, I have reached a plateau now. I've reached a plateau of learning, of training, and I sort of felt like I need a new challenge now. Yeah. And I thought that that opportunity was giving me that challenge. So did you, did this start out as consulting work and then evolved like no. because of those relationships no. you made? No. So this was something completely different. Yeah. It was it. completely from, from, from the start. Yeah. You know, that, that's a funny thing. I had very good relationships with many other, you know, companies and, um, I've, I've worked with some of them for in various, for various projects. And that's why I was always thinking that probably it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more involved in one of these roles with one of these companies in medical devices. Because, you know, as interventional rheologists, we are mostly working with devices. We don't really work that much with, uh, with drugs. Of course, this doesn't mean that we don't know how to use them, right? Or we don't know how to do research on them. So, you know, when this opportunity came up, I thought, okay, that's, that's not what I was expecting, but it's actually quite interesting. And um, from, you know, when you compare the pharmaceutical side of research, the pharmaceutical side and the medical devices side, when it comes to research size and, you know, budgets and impact, the, you know, the pharma side is far, far bigger, obviously. So I, I saw that as a challenge. I saw that, okay, it might not be exactly 100% what I know, but it's definitely something that, you know, I've done a PhD, I've done lots of research, so I, I know how to do research. And I know that in vascular, I can definitely help to, I can definitely contribute in the development side for a number of drugs like thrombolytics, like anticoagulation drugs and so on, the drugs that we have experienced. And, you know, obviously when you are, you know, honest, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with, you know, your, your, your team, and you have to be honest about what you, you're good at and what you need help with. And as with everything else, when you join a new role, you have to be open to, you know, learning, developing, you know, getting new skills. And for me, that, that's, that's part of the, part of the experience that I was looking for. Yeah. It, it sounds like to go back to what you were saying about, you don't typically think of IRs as really terribly knowledgeable about pharmaceuticals because yeah, it's, it's a limited you know, number of pharmaceuticals that we interact with, right? Uh, you know, thrombolytics being probably some of the main ones that, that we do use on a regular basis. But cardiologists, for example, you'd think more, have a more better relationship. Oh, cardiologists or, dominate. Know, yeah. Cardiologists dominate. In pharmaceuticals, yeah, exactly. So for, 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 for my team, I think that, you know, 50% are cardiologists. Yeah, and they're, they're probably looking at you like, where'd you come from? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, in, in a way, I saw that as an opportunity to, um, you know, do a little bit of advertising about our specialty and about what we can do. And I think in a, in a way, the company was also very interested about my background because it was a very, to be honest, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if there are many interventionalists in pharma or clinical development. I, I, I haven't met any so far. So in, in a way, I think they were a bit intrigued about me and where, where did I come from and why. Always looking for a role in uh, in clinical development, but also they saw the fact that you know interventional rheologists bring a lot on the table because 
we might not have, you know, we're, we're not internists, we're not ICU, you know, physicians, but we have a lot of experience when it comes to treating people, doing invasive procedures. And also we, we know a lot about pathology and we know a lot about imaging. Yeah. So we have a set of skills that is quite unique. Yeah. I would say, because we are, we are in, in the, we are where medicine, surgery, and radiology overlap, if you want. And there are right. not many specialties that can, can do that. Cardiologists can, are, are very dominant in this field exactly for this reason, because when it comes to cardio, cardiovascular, they're also in this overlap of, because now they do, they're also doing invasive procedures. They're very good with, you know, the internal medicine stuff. So I, I think that, you know, Interventional radiology perfectly place to, to to be in 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 these roles in these positions, and the more time I spend with the team and the more time I spend you know working on projects, the more I see that my background in radiology and my background in interventional radiology actually helps me a lot to understand certain concepts that other specialties might find a little bit more difficult to to grasp. That's yeah, that's super interesting. I you know I wonder. I could see myself or our audience say, well, Greg, you have a PhD in vascular you know, medicine, and so that probably helped prepare you for this role. But wh wh what would you say to that? Is that? Does the PhD really give you that much of an advantage, or would you say it's more your clinical experience? Well, again, it, it comes down to what type of role you're looking into get, getting yeah. into in industry. So, for example... If you're looking into a role like mine, which is in clinical development that has to do uh, with designing late stage trials, analyzing results, you know, doing, doing all these kind of things, then you, you need to have some sort of research background. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be a PhD necessarily. I mean, it, it definitely helps, but yeah. research is not something that you, you know, you, you can be, I mean, you can get trained, but in a way you learn how to it do takes it time. By, yeah, it takes time and you learn how to do it yeah. by writing papers, doing studies, writing protocols. And you know, you always start small and you, you know, you build bigger and you work in a bigger projects and, and so on. So I don't think you necessarily need a PhD, but you definitely need to have some, to have a research background on this. However, if you, if you don't have this research background, but you're also, you're still interested in, you know, doing work for the pharmaceutical industry or the medical device industry, then the, as I was saying before, there are other roles in medical affairs or in, um, in commercial roles or health economics roles. So you, you have to, the clinical side, the, your clinical knowledge will always be very, very important. And yeah. increasingly, I think the industry realizes that they need experienced doctors to, to help them make the right decisions because we understand the market, we understand the patients, we understand our colleagues better. Yeah. So even if you don't have research in your, in your background, you can look for roles in medical affairs, you can look for roles in, um, in you know, commercial and so on. And, you know, always the best, the best thing to do is just talk to, to people who have done this. So, you know, un until today I've, you know, had quite a few calls for, with friends who were interested and wanted to find more about my role, what exactly I'm doing, what I'm not doing. They had questions that I had before I started. And yeah. um, unfortunately, some of these questions, you cannot find the answers on the internet. You have to actually speak <laughs> right. to people who, who are doing yeah. this. And 
you know, you you can um, find people on LinkedIn, or you can easily just ask, you know, me or anybody else who is doing this to bring you in touch with the, the right person for the right role. Yeah, and um, that's exactly right there why I wanted to have you on the show is I think there are a lot of people out there who have questions like these, like the, you know, even in my wife's uh, specialty in ENT, she's seeing a lot of people inquiring about other options that aren't pure clinical. Um, because like you said, I mean, you know, whether it's a post COVID phenomenon or it's just the, these are the times we live in, I think everybody's looking for you know, a, a different kind of balance. It's not just pure clinical work um, that it, that might provide satisfaction in multiple ways, right? Uh, nobody's saying, I haven't heard anybody say, I want to completely give up clinical work. It's more just like, hey, I want to find a way to use my experience and know-how in a different way, right? And like you said, to challenge my brain in a, in a di- bit of yeah, a different way. Yeah. Learn something exactly. new. Exactly. You know? I mean, the, the way I see this, I haven't... Uh, I mean, apart from the fact that I'm still doing one day a week at the hospital, I don't see myself as, you know, having left the professional, the medical profession. Yeah. Because still what I'm doing and what we're doing as a team in Bayer is we're trying to develop drugs that are going to help people, going to help patients. And for me, you know, this is what doctors do. They help patients. I mean, you help them from a different, from a different, uh, you know, capacity. Yeah. From a different angle. But the essence is the same. And as you said, you, you know, you just have to find that angle that makes you happy as well, because, you know, if you're not happy, if you burn out, if you, you know, if you're miserable at work and you don't get stimulated or you don't get the work-life balance that you need, then that, that's not going to work at the end of the day for you and for your patients. So it's, it's very important to, you know, you have to be honest with yourself at the end of the day and you, ha- you have to realize, okay, what do I want to do? Where, where do I want to be? Yeah, and and would and I know uh, you know some people, and I've talked to people because right because I made a transition to doing more full time back table yeah. kind of part time clinical work, and and the 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 questions I get a lot is like, why well, aren't you lo- worried about losing your skill set, and um, you know, aren't you? I mean, that's that's kind of the main one. That's the thing yeah. that because my wife did a bit of a sabbatical. That's what she's worried about, and I think that we're all worried about because we spent so much time and energy on training. That's, um, you know, that's the common question. What, you know, I feel like I found a nice cadence of clinical work that makes me feel like I'm, like I'm still involved, like you said, but I'm also not, it doesn't overwhelm me and it allows me to, to focus on the main passion, which is back table. How, what do you have to say about like finding that cadence, finding that, you know, whether it's one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. You know, would you know? Give us a little bit more insight on your day to day and how you came up with that formula. Yeah. So you know, it, it it is a risk. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. And um, sometimes you have to make decisions and you have to take some some risk. But as long as it's calculated risk and as long as you you know what you're doing, this then uh, I, th- I think you should be fine. For me, before I before I get the role, um, I was very clear with the company that I would like to. To have at least half a day or a day every week. Okay, depending on how busy I am with. So if we have a submission or if we have a trial that needs something urgently, if I have travel, then obviously, you know, I, I can't do that week. Okay, but a, as long as you have this flexibility, and usually most companies are happy to provide you with that flexibility, as long as right. they recognize right. 
that what you're bringing on the table is very important. Uh, they and very often, you know, they 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 really want to get like doctors who know what they're talking about. They really want to have people who are who care about what they do. And and when they find you and when they realize that you can actually help them, then they they try to be flexible. And you know, nowadays with COVID and with virtual working, uh, things have changed a lot. And you know, many many people still work from home most of the time. I mean, because my team is spread around the world most of the time i have to if i have a computer then i can i can work from wherever i am yeah so that allows me to be quite flexible with with my routine every week every week is very different to be honest with you and depends on you know what are my um responsibilities and my commitments with with uh, with the company and what are my commitments with the hospital some days some weeks my commitments with the industry might not allow me to to have that one day. Some other times might be might allow me to do a little bit more. So as long as you have good planning skills and as long as you can, you know, be a little bit flexible with your uh, with your routine, then usually you can you can make this work. And obviously, you know, now when I go to the hospital, I'm not gonna do the most complex stuff. I'm not gonna do the complex stuff that I used to do, you know, a year or two years ago. But I I think that if you can manage to maintain that one day a week, one day every two weeks, then I think you can you can maintain a reasonable um, amount of skills and a reasonable level of skill to to be a safe practitioner. And of course, you know you have to keep up with all the other you know mandatory trainings that you have to do at your hospital, and that's obviously you know extra work that you have to do, but. Even, you know, you can all do that online. I mean, you can all do the training online. You can even do your diagnostic reporting online. You can do this from home these days. So, you know, the, the way things have changed after COVID with all these, you know, virtual working has, has, a lot, has helped a lot with combining these two, these two lives, if you want. So I, I think it's definitely possible. Obviously, you know, as you move ahead and as, you know, you become busy, more busy and you become more senior in, in a role and you get more and more responsibilities, then you, you might have to drop something, okay? And you, and you have to be realistic about this because, you know, at some point there will, be, there will be a time that you have to make a decision. If you get a promotion or if you have started leading more and more people, then, then you'll have to drop something, yes. Uh, yeah, you, you, you can, as we know, you can have, can everything, have everything. Yeah. everything in life. Yeah. However, I have met very senior people in, uh, in the company um, who are still doing one day a week, despite being in a very senior position. Um, and this means that, you know, they might spend, they might have one less day in the weekend to, you know, see family time. But what I'm trying to say is that everything is possible. You, you can combine most companies now they try to attract talent by offering this kind of you know flexibility right, hybrid sort of thing yeah yeah so yeah i mean it it's it is no, i mean it seems so, yeah i mean it seems to like make sense though for them to oh yeah because they want you to they want you to stay relatable right they Absolutely. want you to still bring that clinical insight yeah so they should carve out that time for you you know what i mean the way the way the way I see it is that it's a win-win for both of us. It's a win for me right. because I keep my skills, but it's also a win for the for the company because I keep my clinical experience up to date. I keep my networks relevant, which is very important for uh, for the company and for me. 
And um, also I keep my clinical thinking active, which is, which is also very interesting because yeah. that's why a company hires you to bring the clinical experience and bring the, this clinical uh, instinct that you have. If you stay away from the hostel for too long, then you're losing this, this capacity. Right. And, you know, so I, I guess the tricky part might actually be on the other side where, okay, you know, for us, a lot of practices involve, a, it's a group of docs, right? A group of radiologists yeah. or whatever the specialty might be. Let's say it's a group of ENTs or, you know, urologists. What is their take on it? Like, oh, well, you know, Dr. Fritz, he's only coming in, you know, once, yeah. you know, one week every so often, you know, how we're going to cater to him. Like, what's this about? Right. Yeah. So have you seen people have challenges with that side of things? Not to say that I, I just, it's all kind of theoretical. Not that yeah. I've heard of that. No, no, I know what you mean. I, know I, what you I think mean. people would be afraid of that. You know what I mean? I know, I know what you mean. And to be honest with you, I was, um, I was a little, when I decided that I'm going to accept the role and I'm going to resigned from my substantive post in, in, in Guys and Zombies, I was a little bit worried how my colleagues uh, are going to see this. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I was a little bit sad as well because I have, I have lovely colleagues and they're amazing people. It's a great hospital and a great team of, of people. So I didn't, I didn't want them to feel like um, they have done something wrong or, I've, you know, it, because it, it, it was nothing like that. And when I announced that, when I announced that I'm leaving, I have to say that everybody was so supportive and they were also very nice about this. And I think that's, you know, that's, that shows that you are working with a nice group of people because I think that's the right reaction that someone should have when someone, you know, uh, is going somewhere else to do something a little bit different. And everybody was very supportive. And I have to say, I was very lucky with that. I got all the support from my clinical lead back then. Uh, Thanasis, um, who, you know, was amazing helping me out. They were very kind and they offered me this honorary contract. The clinical, the clinical director was also very nice. And, you know, we could see that, okay, we sat down and we're like, okay, let's see now how we can make this a useful partnership moving forward. I mean, what can you bring to the trust, to the hospital in that one day a week, or what can you continue doing? And, you know, we, we had a frank conversation about, okay. You know, you're not going to be able to do the things that you used to do in the past, but what are the things that you can still do? And, you know, we identified those areas that I could still contribute and I could still support the service because I don't think there's a hospital that in, in, the, in Europe, US or in the world that would say no to an extra pair of hands, right? I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, like at least not in. Well, there, look, there's definitely a need out there, right? And you and I talked about this when we when we saw each other at Cersei. It's like there's definitely a need for docs. It, yeah. it might it might be more in a rural setting or a smaller city, but like there are certain places where there's a lot of competition. There's turf wars where they're not just going to give a, a radiologist or an IR privileges. But there's tons of locums opportunities because we have these issues with people leaving, right? Um, so yeah, that's that was what I was going to comment on. Is like there's plenty of opportunity. So even even if your group poops your transition and it's like, well, good luck, but we, we don't want to see you anymore. There's plenty of opportunities for clinical work, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, as I said, I, I, I was lucky, and. Um, I didn't have to face that that issue. 
I'm sure that, you know, in, in certain environments and it's maybe some hostels, you might get that reaction, but that's, that's definitely the wrong reaction. As I said, you, you have to also be a little bit realistic and you also have to make some, um, try to help them out a little bit if you want. So for example, what I did, I, I said that, look guys, I can do some of these sessions pro bono. So you, you don't have to pay me. So just as uh, I want to give something back to you, I want to give something back to the trust. So I'm going to do some of these sessions for free. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't have to say that. I didn't have to do that. But I felt like, okay, that's, that's, the, that's something that I can afford to do. it. And I was, you know, I was more than happy to do it simply because they, you know, they were so nice to me. But, you know, as you said, I, I think it, it all comes down to, you know, having this discussion and make, making sure that you're transparent, you're honest with your, uh, with your hospital and just set the expectations, tell them, okay, what I can do for you and how I can help you and why you should, um, why should carry on doing this. As you said, I'm very aware that in some environments, this might not be possible that you might get, you know, a, ne a negative reaction. But I think that, you know, in a world where interventional, there are not enough interventional radiologists or radiologists, you know, if one hospital doesn't want to keep you for a day, then I'm sure you're going to find five more, 10 others that they're going to be more than happy to, to employ you and give you an opportunity. Yeah. I think that that's well said. And, and, you know, for anybody who might be hesitant for those reasons, I feel like we did a good job of kind of laying out both sides of it, the options that are there that, you know, finding the, again, those supporters are key. Like when you're going to make a big move like that, just find people who get what you're trying to do can help support you so that, you you know, if you want to work that one day of the week, um, whether it be, you have, you know, sometimes you have to travel a little bit for it, right? But those opportunities do exist. Do you find that you have more time and opportunities for things like medical missions? I know you did some work with, you do some work with Road to IR. Has, has the transition helped free up time or energy for, for fun stuff like that? You know, the, you know, my, my work-life balance obviously have changed a lot and that's mostly because I, I mostly work virtually. I, um, I have to do a, a quite a lot of traveling. That, that's true. So this, this, this also has changed, but the, the good thing is I don't, I like traveling. So I, I don't, I don't mind that, <laughs> that aspect of, of the job, but when it comes to, you know, the day to day, you know, working you're you're more flexible to do things so you know i mean i'm not really working nine to five or eight to five or it depends on every day what i have so when i have my meetings when i have something that i need to a task that needs to be done a presentation or when i need to submit um, a report for something so some some days i might have to work a little bit longer sometimes i might, I might have to work a little bit less i mean this flexibility is uh, is quite unique, I have to say, and it's something that you know, as physicians, we have never really experienced that. And for me, it was it was really amazing to see that. Oh, okay, I can uh, I can actually go for a haircut today at midday. I have never been for a haircut at midday <laughs> because you, you're in the hospital. You you can't go. It's like oh, you can oh, you cannot ask have your stuff delivered at your home because you know you're at the hospital or. Uh, Oh, you cannot go for a for lunch or a lunch break, or because you're at the hostel all the time. So these are the little things that change with your routine when you are working in a hybrid model and in a virtual. Model. Of course, traveling 
means that you might be a little bit, you know, uh, away from home a little bit more. For some people, this is uh, this can be a problem. Being, I mean, for example, in October and November, I was in a plane almost every other week. I was waking up every week. I didn't know where I was, <laughs> but I, I didn't mind that. I mean, I know that if you do this all a lot, and if you do this, and as you grow older, then it might wear you down a little bit, and you might not find this as funny or as fun anymore. But you know, it's it's a sacrifice if you want that you have to make. That okay. You have a little bit more of a flexible routine, but you have to travel. Obviously, not all jobs are like that, okay? So if you're in a global role, you're going to have to travel more. If you're, if you're in a local role, you might have to travel more nationally or regionally. You don't have to travel that much. So again, there are so many different opportunities at different levels that you can always find something that you know, fits your, um, the life that you want to have, if you want. But, but for me, the, that, that wasn't the motivation. The motivation wasn't to make my life easier. Now, if my life has become easier, that's another thing. Maybe, I think it has, because you, know, you don't have the own calls, you don't have to worry about the, um, the weekends. And obviously, for most people, I think that, 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 would, be, that would be a bonus, that would be a benefit. I mean, if you, you can have all, I mean, before I start in Bayer, I can't remember, having, you know, more than three weekends off or something, or it was always something happening. So yeah, I mean, our life is tough at the hospital. There's no doubt about that. And the people don't appreciate that when they're not working in the hospital, they can never understand that. But the moment, you know, you leave that hospital environment, you start doing something else, you understand how, um, how the people who work at the hospital, how, you know, important their job is, how difficult their job is. Yeah, it's, uh, and I have so much respect for the people that, you know, stay in the hospital and do 100% clinical work. It's because it's simply so demanding and so, you know, um, difficult, especially under the current environment where you have uh, under the, the budgets are always going down um, and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the big value add too is, is the autonomy that you get, right, yeah. over your... You have control over your workday. Like you're saying, hey, you know what? You have I more wanna, control. I, Definitely you have more control. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that you're right. Like we don't, I mean, it's pounded into us. It's hardwired into us after years of training that like. That you have to do eight to eight. That if you don't do like 12 hours, that you are like. Yeah. You're lazy or something. You're, you're a lazy person. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, so when you go to get that haircut in the middle of the afternoon, you're like, this doesn't feel right. Like this is weird. Yeah, and uh, and that's unfortunate because you know friends of mine who've been you know in the outside you know the rest of the world that that's part of that's that's normal life for them and so that to me I think was one of the big even though I'll work till midnight at night on back table you know I I know that I'm gonna put the hours in to find success in whatever I'm doing but that might not be mean being in the hospital during that yeah. time, right? Um, I, I feel like that's part, that's the hardest thing. And watching some of my friends who've made transitions, like, you know, it's just hard to feel like uh, you, you shouldn't be in the hospital all the time because that's just what we're used to. Um, you almost feel guilty for it, right? Yeah. But, but you, you know, we, sh we shouldn't feel guilty. And um, 
No. And I mean, okay, as I said, I'm, I might go and have a haircut in the afternoon, but then, I mean, today, for example, I'm going to finish my day in two, three hours from now. I mean, I'm because I have meetings, yeah. I have things that I need to do. So in a way, you are responsible. So this doesn't mean that you work less, but you, you work in a way that you want to work whenever, whenever this is possible. And of course, you know, there, there, is, um, there are elements of this job that as physicians, we find a little bit hard to adapt to. And for example, you know, these, you know, many meetings, I mean, some doctors don't do, you know, they hate being in a meeting room, just talking yeah. and talking and yeah. listening. Uh, but you know, this is an essential part of the job because, right. you know, you have to co collaborate with other people. We're talking about big projects that have many, many moving parts all over the world with huge budgets. You, you have to make sure that everybody's on board and that's why we have so many smart people on the team. You have to take their inputs and you, you have to uh, coordinate all these things or that's, that's my role anyway. So it is hard work in a way. It's a, it's a more, if you know, if you want, it's a more, in, um, you do a lot of planning as well. So you make decisions for what's going to happen in five years from now. So you might not see exactly what's happening now. It's not like in medicine where, you know, you do a port, you do a, you pull, you do a stand and you see the results immediately. You have to be patient. Yeah. And some people find this a little bit frustrating that you are, you yeah. know, talking and talking about things that might happen in two, three, four, five years from now. So that, that's right. a bit of a difference that I've seen, for example, from my previous life to what I'm doing now. Yeah. It's not that instant gratification that you get yes, in medicine, exactly. which, which yeah. does, you know, scratch a niche. I mean, that that's, that's the nice thing about when I do my locums weeks, it's like, yeah, I knocked, you know, I knocked out 60 cases this week yeah. and, and now yeah. I feel like I accomplished something Yeah. versus, uh, I, I, that's, that was going to be one of my questions. Cause I imagine when you're traveling a lot, it's all meetings. Do you ever get meeting fatigue where you're just like, I cannot have another meeting or I'm going to, my head's going to explode. Yeah. You get tired. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's exhausting, all. right? You, you do get tired and you, you might not be standing in a room wearing a 10 kilo lead coat, um, but right. it, it is, you know, intellectually um, challenging Stimulating. sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and challenging, yeah. You know, and you, you always have to keep in mind why you're doing this. And where, because, you know, it's very easy to forget why you're in that meeting and what's the bigger picture. But I think what helps me is to try to remember that we're doing this because we're trying to develop a drug that's going to save you know, thousands or millions of lives at some point. And for me, that was a big driver for, you know, joining a company like Bayer. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I was a little bit frustrated working on, you know, little projects with uh, trying to raise 100K for uh, 20, 50, 60 patients. And, you know, the, the impact you, you have is, is small. I mean, you mm -hmm. have to start from somewhere, obviously. But right. what I really enjoy now is that, you know, I enjoy the bigger picture that I can, I can see that if everything that we're doing now, all these meetings and all this work that we're doing, if that works, then we can deliver a drug that obviously is going to be, going to be good for the company, but it's going to be great for, for many patients. And we have seen that. We have seen many examples like that, that, you know, drugs have been developed that changed the lives of many people. And for me, that's, that's what I try to keep in mind that we're not here just for another meeting, that's a small part, that's a small piece of a bigger puzzle that we're trying to, yeah. to put together. 
obviously, you know, this approach not always works. I mean, sometimes I do get really tired. <laughs> but yeah, you, you have to you have to try to remember that. You have to try to remember why why you're doing that. Yeah. Well, Greg, I think that's a great place to end it. It's we're coming up on the hour, and and uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation and talking about your transition. And um, I think you gave some solid advice for anybody who's considering this. Uh, you know, whether it be you know a complete transition, like like something that you made, or uh, you know just consulting work. I think uh, what you've hammered home is really like you got to be able to drive, you know, provide value for for the uh, the industry uh whether it be pharmaceutical or yeah. or device i think most people are, are probably you know from our world are going to device but it, it's it's common ground for for uh, you know either way but any, any final words before we finish up greg uh, no i mean the, the the only last thing i wanted to say is that you know at the end of the day if you think about this you know the the medical device industry the pharmaceutical industry uh, and we as doctors, we at the end, we're always we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to help patients, and um, we have to be happy to to help them out as well. Either that's going to be a, in a consulting role, either it's going to be in a educational teaching role, or it's going to be in a full time capacity like I, I'm doing myself. We shouldn't see these opportunities. We should see these as opportunities to contribute into the bigger picture, which is yeah. advancing healthcare advancing medical standards. And yeah. I don't think we should be afraid. As I said, it's not for everybody, but I think that you're doing a great job in uh, raising awareness around these things and removing the stigma ar around these yeah. uh, kind of roles. And obviously, you know, if there are people out there who would like to find out more about, about what I do, I know it's very hard to, you know, talk about everything in, um, in, in an hour, uh, I will be more than happy to, you know, just reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter and, um, you know, I can answer questions or, you know, at the next conference, SIR, seriously, I would be more than happy to chat over a coffee. Yeah, that'd be great. I, yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's so much more, whether it's somebody who's just starting to look or somebody who's maybe has a job on the on the table and they're they're negotiating, you know, I'm sure you could, you could provide answers to, to many of those questions having gone through it. So, well, Greg, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to. Are you going to be at Cersei? or not Cersei, Sorry, are you going to be at SIR? I'll, I'll probably be at SIR. I'll probably be at SIR. Okay. So hopefully, I'll see some of my American friends there, and hopefully, you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. I just booked my ticket to Phoenix, so I'm excited um, to see a lot of people there. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know when I'm up in in London as well. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be great. And feel free to come down to Paris, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. Thank you so much.